Welcome to Dragon Talk, everybody. I'm Greg Tito, and I am here to introduce a bonus episode that we recorded with Nick Roth, also known as Mick the DM. He's played Dungeons and Dragons for a very, very, very long time, and he was kind enough to donate a sizable amount to our campaign for Extra Life. And Shelly and I had a wonderful time speaking to him. But we wanted to get his episode out as quickly as possible, so there will be no base segment on this one, and we want to just get right to the meat of speaking to Nick Roth about all of his amazing stuff, including an upcoming show that he is debuting on his Twitch channel called Twitch at the Table, all about creating play that includes you in the Twitch chat and the choices that you will make. It's a really uh, interesting idea, and we are excited to present his interview right here. So take a listen. Thanks. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled Dragon Talk episode uh, on the normal Thursdays. Welcome, Nick Roth, the DM Yay! to Dragon Talk! Wow! Woo! You traveled all the way from sunny New Jersey. <laughs> Tell us what it's like. In New Jersey? The sun? It's the Garden State. There's so <laughs> many gardens there. There's got to be it's sun like in York, the Garden State. It's like but sprawled out. <laughs> it is. More strip malls. Pretty much, yeah. There's a lot of strip it's malls. It's wide instead of tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're so excited you're here that you uh, donated money towards Extra Life and uh, are doing, they said this whole interview is for the kids. Yeah. Um, Extra Life has been a big part of like, the last five years of my life because that's something that me and my team have been working on for a long time now. Um, and so when the opportunity came to like help out in a, like, a, a decent chunk and also get the word out specifically about this like cause, it just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> nice. You're well, so nice. We're excited Thank that you. you did it. Oh, no, it's very generous because you, you and your team are already were already supporting Extra yep. Life, and then you still decided to contribute yeah. to our efforts too. Every November, we uh, run a twenty-four hour game uh, that we have nicknamed the Goon Platoon. Um, Love it, and it's been a really interesting experience because, like, none of us. I'm sure none of you listening know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Exactly, I'm not anyone yet. So the whole idea is that. As someone that just, like, I like D&D, and I've always liked D&D, and when I saw the official D&D Extra Life stream back in 2014, right. I found it through one of the Loading Ready Run guys that was here. Nice. Um, Jeremy Petter. Shout out if you happen to be seeing this. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, I just sort of looked at that and went, oh, that doesn't look that hard. <laughs> I uh-huh. could do that. I was wrong. But <laughs> it's very hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was Greg Bilsland when he uh, did a 24-hour stream, and I love that you're continuing that 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 tradition going forward. It, I think it broke him a little bit. Yep. Uh, yeah. for, we don't do that anymore for a reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we've slowly adapted that we now have a break in the middle of the night, uh, and I think we're going to be changing our format going forward to like switch out a couple times to do something similar to what you guys do now. Yeah. Because... After five years, we learned. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same people playing for 24 hours? No, no, no. I'm, uh, as the DM, I was the one that was you doing, it doing it the whole run. You were doing it for 24 hours. And then uh, people would, uh, pretty much every hour and a half, there was the end of a block, and people could take as many blocks as they wanted to play for. So I had somewhere between three and five players the whole way through. 
Um, cool. And it was really interesting. The first year we did it, it was just a, a fun success, something we just sort of threw together because we all had a free weekend because we were all in college. Yeah. And it was the day after, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, like, no one had anything to do then. Um, That's a great way to do it, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of almost like, um, you know, some people go to the local bar because everybody's coming back to their hometown. But no, you're like, we're going to do a and d thing all weekend long and raise money for kids. And that's our reunion. Yeah. And so over the years, we've like polished it and gotten it to something that is like more of an event and actually feels like something special. And this last year, I think we did pretty good. Over the course of these five years, we've raised over $8,000 for wow. charity. Oh, my God. And we have no intention of stopping. That's amazing. <laughs> Keep going. So tell us uh, who, let's give a shout out to the Goon Platoon. Who are these wonderful people that you're playing with? Um, they're just a bunch of my friends from all walks of life. Pretty much wherever I happen to meet them. A bunch of my college buddies, a bunch of my high school friends. Uh, let's see, who do I think is most likely to be watching this? Uh, Dan Doherty, Drew Chapeau, Charlie Naughton, um, Dylan Olson. You guys are great. Yay! You are great. <laughs> you are great. <laughs> Yay! Um, so pretty much they will show up and have a character. And the thing that we've learned is that we're not going to be drawing people because of who we are, other mm. than like maybe a couple of family members. <laughs> but like the way that we can be interesting is by just really pushing what D&D can be by just trying to find the wackiest character concepts and the wackiest adventures and trying to... Uh, the thing we learned is that the way you get the di- direct interaction is by giving the uh, people watching a way to make an immediate and obvious impact on something. Okay. So each of the players will have a donation gimmick that it'll be like, when you donate to me, X happens. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything from like... Uh, a character that like is serving two gods and will toggle between them, or like someone that uh, had a ever growing menagerie of balloon animal familiars. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, right? <laughs> that's pretty cool. So then, so then by having those gimmicks, you have built in ways to incentivize people to donate. Yeah, and so over the years, like we've gotten better and better at figuring out exactly what will get people to participate. Because um, if anyone wants to do this themselves, I highly encourage it. It's not that hard to get started. Um, Because there's two kinds of donors for our purposes. Uh For you guys, I'm sure it's different. Um, But for us, there are the people who are going to donate before the stream because they want to help out in general. And those people don't really care about the perks most of the time. They're there because they want to help and they want to support whatever endeavor you're working on. So you might, like, do something personal for them, but it shouldn't really have anything to do with the game. Um, And then there's the people who are donating in smaller amounts during the stream. And those are the ones that want to see something happen. Right. And so you really want to polish whatever you're doing to make sure that it makes it feel like it's worth it. Mm. Um, There was a project that someone did. I honestly don't know who put this together, but there's a PDF somewhere on the internet called the Net Librem of 10,000 Random Magical Effects. And we had it become a gimmick that, in addition to whatever donation gimmick people had, when they roll, when uh, someone uh, donated to a player, they would pick a target and someone that was the caster. Because the original intention of this document was that when a spell went wrong, you would roll on the ten thousand table. Got it. But so it's, so they're all phrased like caster does this or 
Target does this. And so it's like, all right, you pick these two things, and then you just roll on the table, and it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> we had people turn purple. Someone permanently turned into a black dragon, so that was fun. Oh, oh wow. that's good. Um, I think they made the big bad one year uh, have the trait of cackling like a hyena whenever they saw blood. <laughs> Which made it an interesting character. Right? I love that idea. I love tables. I love randomness. I always love the wild magic table, but it doesn't come up enough. I know, You don't right? get to, to roll on it Unless enough. you're playing with, like, a wild sorcerer. Uh, I try. You know. I always, like, try to, like, force it to happen. I, well, that's why I, you need to be DM. Uh, Shelly gets all about tables. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's good stuff. I could do all the tables. You could do all the tables, and you can write the tables. It could just be my whole entire game is just... Tables. I'm not going to tell you what happens. Roll on the table. <laughs> Roll on the table. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The uh, Unearthed Arcana Barbarian mm. was very much like something that I, I loved for exactly that reason. It had the, the wild magic surges. But I, I just wish it was more than a D12 table. Because <laughs> mm. those are awesome. And I get it for like balance reasons. But I always wish that those are bigger. Because like it's chaos. It yeah. should be chaotic. Yeah. Right. Like and then 10,000 is like a huge number. Like you, you know, pretty much yeah. guaranteed you're never going to roll a repeat. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, unless you're really lucky. <laughs> Doesn't that feel like how magic would really work? Absolutely. Like there would definitely be a lot of, of misses and chaos and things going wrong and accidental Turning people into black dragons. By I mean, accident. if magic was real, uh, I mean it is. <laughs> We're just so good at casting it, but it never happens. David Copperfield's really good at it. Yeah, yeah. I was really hoping <laughs> they got nothing else. After that. I mean, we agree. Yeah, so. duh. Next I mean, topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's a transition. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank God you're here. You're a good DM. Thank Thank you. You, you've Jeez. got this. So after we realized that um, this active participation was what made streams the most interesting thing, because that's the one thing you really can't do with any other medium of, uh, like, D&D. Like, there's the pre-recorded stuff, and there's the live games, and there's Critical Role. Right. Um, and other things like it. Um, the... Two things that I noticed was, one, it doesn't have as much of that interaction except for in some really splashy cases. Uh, And two, a lot of content, not necessarily the big names, but like the everyday like uh, show that you would see of just someone putting together a D&D show has sort of drifted away from the feel of your friends at the table. Yeah. Uh, It's much more like they're in boxes and they're like talking across one another, whether it is through Discord or just that's how their production works. Yeah. So uh, the new project that I am announcing, uh, Twitch at the Table, um, was meant to take those two ideas and just sort of put them back together Um, because I realized that I think that I would be able to put together something that looks like people playing at the table again. And so I thought, what if the last player at that table was Twitch chat? And so I um, sort of sketched out some ideas, and Mm -hmm. it seems like what we're now um, doing is this meeting point of a live play D&D game, a uh, choose your path book, and a, uh, like, the Twitch plays Pokemon games. Right, that's what I was just going to bring that up. That felt like this is an inspiration for you. Yeah, very much. And so I think that that is, like, a a nice little niche that will be interesting to try. Yeah, how are you going to... um facilitate the Twitch chat? Like, how, how are you going to get their input in a so way they, that makes sense Twitch to Twitch recently implemented a poll functionality yeah. uh, that it'll pop up at the top of chat. Um, 
Notably, it's only on like the full browser. It doesn't really work on mobile, and I'm still trying to figure out how to work around that. Got it. Um, but the idea is that since this is a more structured campaign than a normal free flow game, I would have uh, an idea of what questions I need to ask. And while the game, I'm running the game flow wise with the two players that are actually at the table. Um, there will be a poll at the top of chat with the next big choice they get to make. Got it. So, for example, um, I'll be setting the scene and saying, like, you are walking into a tavern, there's a hustle and bustle of people around and describing various NPCs. A poll would pop up that says, you you are about to enter the tavern, do you? And then the three options would be, like, start a fight immediately, carouse, brood in the corner. (laughs) And then that'll go for, like, three minutes. And then that clicks, and when it goes through... They take that action. Cool. And then I could even see like a session zero setting up like what is that character that Twitch is playing, right? Oh, and so, so, that, oh yeah. So the idea cool. we had is that there is an entity that um, is pretty much a swarm of ghosts <laughs> that will take over an adventurer or someone with power um, temporarily. And it, the uh, people of this area have nicknamed the that affect the Twitch. Got it. That all of these ghosts whispering at once causes it the, to behave erratically, but in a way that just sort of pulls towards adventure because they know things that they shouldn't know. That's cool. really cool. So the, I love the meta-ness the, of that. Yeah, the, the, the collective ghosts influence other players, but they don't, they don't have their own actions. Well, like, no, no, there, there is a piece of... So there are... Let me explain exactly what this is going to look like if you tune in to Twitch at the table. Sure. Um, it will look like you are sitting at the end of the table, and there are two people to the others Ooh. to your sides and me across from it. Okay. Um, and those two people are full player characters, and then the third character is the person who got possessed by the Twitch. Okay. So these two player characters um, were either looking for the person that, like, the hero of destiny pretty much, because they know as soon as this guy gets got, he's going to set off on an adventure, or they're going to, like, find some magical treasure or defeat a monster. And uh, they know that if they can find that person or whatever it ends up being, um, they are in for adventure. Right. So that is, like, their normal characters. And then the third player is this, like, ghost amalgam. <laughs> I like that, too, because if it's, you know, the way you've set up the, the way the table is going to be, when they're addressing chat and yep. looking at the camera, they will be looking at the player or yep. where the player would sit, too. So it's I got, love that. It's, it, yeah, really, really creative. And I like that you're making it that the erratic nature or the potential for erratic nature is actually uh, a, a plus on the, being a, a well-fleshed-out character, right? Like, it's yeah. all part of it. Yeah. And then all of the messages that are coming through Twitch chat, I'm going to make sure that the players can see them. And those are just being, like, whispered as they're going by. So, like, they know that that, that information is out there. And that might not make a whole lot of sense to the characters that are happening. Like, why are they talking about... Crit- what is Critical Role? <laughs> but this person's talking about it. And so, like, th- that's a little strange because this is a strange being. But it could give them insight, yeah, could give them hints. Once the, the chat knows that anything that they're talking about, it becomes fodder for the game, yeah. then they, they'll have a lot of influence over what happens. So logistically, do you have to, are you going to be making these polls up on the fly? Or are you oh, going to, no. they're preloaded and you know 
when you're going to... If it really comes down to it, I might have to make one on the fly, and I'm definitely submitting them as they come, but I am writing up a skeleton of what I think all of the paths should look like. And in a normal D&D game, I would not be that on rails, but... For the sake of creating a flow experience that yeah. like they can actually participate in in a meaningful way, I want to make sure that I have points where like branch points that it's like here's a thing that you can actually influence and decide where we're going. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the way you'd have to do it. Yeah, you can't like just stop the hang on. Tape <laughs> up my pole here. Well, one I mean I don't know if 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 you had, this is at your disposable, but the um, the. Addition of a second DM might help you enormously in this endeavor. Absolutely. Uh, D4 uh, with uh, our friend Dustin Fletcher and, and Devin Henderson have done such a great job of, of, of incorporating both that. And I think, you know, a lot of people do that for like, oh, one does the voices and one does the, you know, mechanics type thing. I think for this, you know, if you had a partner um, who is behind the, the laptop writing up yeah. these questions so that you don't have to necessarily take it away from yeah. the flow of the game, that'd be fantastic. I'm not sure if I have the resources to pull it off right now, but if I do, I would love to have someone just on tech that like knows what these prompts are and sure. puts them in when they need to. So or I just clone yourself. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, why is that just, hard? That's not hard. I, I, I haven't hit that level of wizard yet. I mean, if you know a guy here that can cast a clone oh, spell yeah. for me, we'll, we'll, we'll take you to the cloning room after oh, okay, this. cool, yeah. cool. That'll yeah. go much later. How do you think we got Robert Plant? <laughs> Right. Sometimes cloning goes wrong. <laughs> or right. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's super exciting. And then you, when are you going to be premiering this? Uh, that's going to be on February 23rd at um, either noon Pacific or 3 p.m. Eastern. So. Sweet. I love it. I uh, can't wait. Uh, I'm going to uh, watch this. Twitch at the table. Uh, I like, uh, you know, you can even ask for submissions of fan art and then, like, put them together into oh, one amalgam. <laughs> if it helps, we know the first character that they're playing is a warlock. That Twitch is going to be playing? Yes. We took a poll earlier, and uh. the, the, the first thing is we know it's going to be a warlock, and so I've been building the combat flow chart to ma- match like our, you know, our cantrips and spells and that type of thing. Sue, I love the, the attention to detail that you're already putting into this. <laughs> is going to make I'm this really awesome. very impressed. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Nick the DM and your okay. DMing. So you said that you've been playing D&D for a Quite a long time. Roughly as long as I could read, plus or minus just a couple of years, yeah. So how did you get into it? Um, this is a fun story. Uh, when I was very young, someone, and to this day I don't know who. Oh, but, oh I thought you were being like, It someone. was Twitch. No. It was the character it of Twitch did this. Uh, got me one of the third edition starter sets. And I can't find it online. I don't know which one it is. But mm. it had, I know that it had the Displacer Beast as like the big dangerous enemy. Okay. And it had the big fold-out map that had, like, a whole bunch of rooms and that each of the little pre-made dungeons only used a couple of them except for the last one. Um, and so I, I had assumed that my dad got it for me because he was into uh, Empire of the Petal Throne back in college. Oh, okay. And uh, then he said that he thought it was his college friend Ron who was into first edition, but both of them say they didn't buy oh, it, so I don't know where it came really from. Good. So are you, like... Asking this question like years later, or like when it just like showed up on your doorstep? Oh no, years later. Okay. I I assumed it was my dad. Yeah, and he assumed it was oh, Ron. Funny. That's and funny. Ron assumed it was my dad. It was the universe. So who knows? I, I I mean, I had a similar thing where I found the Dungeon Master's Guide for First Edition on my brother's shelf. 
And I mean, I've said before, I came from a pretty religious background and and once my mother discovered what I had found and that was reading it, it became a thing. Um, (laughs) But I didn't think about it, like where did they get it from? And uh, we've only recently put it together (laughs) that there was a neighbor who was like four or five years older than them who was moving away for college and then the neighbor just gave like a box of stuff. And was like here, and it was like you know plaid shirts and boat shoes and books Stop and stuff. It. And I we now think and the, uh, the dark tower. Remember that like dark tower thing yes. that our friend Rob Davio is is kickstarting yeah. right now. Um, he, it was in there too, and I think that's that's where the Dungeon Masters that's Guild came from. So it is fun piecing together like where your childhood inspirations came from. I kind yeah. of feel like the boat shoes and the plaid shirts were yeah. a decoy. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like, just keep digging. Well, because that's those were the things that were mentioned by my sister, especially because she called it the Brandon Collection because the guy's name was Brandon. <laughs> right. And so, like, oh, Brandon. you're wearing something from the Brandon Collection. Brandon <laughs> is a very interesting gentleman. Yeah. His boat shoes, it was plaid shirts. It was and the his 80s. Dungeons and Dragons. It was very 80s. <laughs> it was, it was uh, all that stuff. So right, and I, I love being able to be like going through the archaeology of our lives and be yeah. like, where did this very important, like in hindsight, very important piece of our yes. history come together? So we still don't know exactly who it was, but it was yeah. Ron Dad. <laughs> it was maybe the same person who gave Nick his. Maybe, maybe it was. This is like, like a, a benevolent spirit <laughs> that just is like these kids need these things. It's like you a need these things. negative uh, uh, Chris Perkins, like during his <laughs> when he's not at, celebrating his birthday on a leap year, he goes and gives gifts to oh my uh, little kids in the eighties. Yes, I like this. This is now official fol- folklore. <laughs> it is canon. He needs a holiday. So you had the starter set, and then did you start playing with it right away? Sort of. My dad ran me a game, and I played it and loved it. But I was also, like, nine, so I hadn't really, like, parsed all of the rules, but I got all the books. I had, like, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, the Player's Handbook, and one other. I think it was, like, Deities and Demigods. So your nice. dad was, like, all in on this. Yeah, because like, he, yes. it was a thing I liked and got me reading. So it's like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I read through them cover to cover and mostly used them as, like, fodder on the playground as, like, ideas of, like, pretty much imagination games. And we had, like, a die, but we didn't, like, play all the rules. It was really? Just... So you were, like, DMing on the playground. Yeah, it was awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so, like, I remember that there are, like, very vivid memories of just, like, standing by one of the trees on the playground and talking about beholders. Uh, the, the, the first kid that had never heard of a beholder being like, what? <laughs> I know. We just take it for granted that our kids grew up knowing what beholders were. <laughs> but there are kids out there that have never seen one. They have never beheld a beholder. <laughs> it is I, true. I know that I didn't really know how to read all the stats correctly. And so in my mind, the most terrifying creature was the displacer beast because that was the strongest creature in the starter set. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's the worst. Yeah. Nothing gets stronger than that. It makes two of it. <laughs> so creepy. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, and it's got that kind of like visceral, oh, yeah. you know, Demogorgon kind of feel to it with the weird tentacles and the, and the yeah. things coming out of it. To so. this day, I'm always surprised it's like a CR2 monster. <laughs> I keep look, looking into it. It's like, that's not a displacer beast. Yeah. <laughs> this thing kitty. was terrifying. Yeah. Little kitty. I wonder what your description of a beholder was that made, know, wouldn't you love to made your school buddy <laughs> put yourself in nine-year-old Nick's shoes. What would, what would, how would you describe it? Okay. So probably I would start with imagine an eyeball. And then the bottom of the eyeball opens like a mouth and is just full of pointy teeth. And then sticking out of the top of the eyeball like hair is additional eyeballs and all of the eyeballs shoot lasers. <laughs> okay. I'm picturing now, later that night, 
like six kids waking up from nightmares <laughs> and their parents being like, there's no such thing as an eyeball monster. Like, what is going on? <laughs> what are all these kids being incepted with something? What's going on? Little did they know, Nick the DM was honing his skills. <laughs> so the thing that actually got me to like sit down and be like, okay, let's play this real pen and paper dice, the whole shebang, was um, I listened, I, I watched, sorry, I read Penny Arcade. Nice. Um, and then they did the Acquisitions Incorporated, the very first one that was like promoting fourth edition. Yeah. Um, and something about like one of the daily powers and like this idea of these recharging things was like this is pretty neat this sounds more like a game as compared to the inspiration books that i had previously because i i'm sure third edition is like i i've since gone back and played quite a bit of it right but like at the time it didn't really like click with me that this was anything but like a statistics book yeah, um, a lot of people read them as just manuals to read. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I did it too, where it was just like, this is just fun stuff to know yeah. and make your imagination go. But you're right, it is hard to translate into it being a real thing. And, I mean, you know, you bring up the uh, um, Acquisitions Incorporated podcast, but that was an inspiration for so many people and, you know, and even what you're doing now. So I love that it, 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 it served along that way. So, yeah, that, is, that was very much the, the, the first hook of, like, what got me started at like, okay, let's sit down and play the real game Dungeons and Dragons as compared to a Dungeons and Dragons inspired game. <laughs> right. So who did you play with? Um, mostly my school friends. The um, kids on the playground. I mean, by this point, I was them? in middle school, but yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember I ran kids for my Boy Scout. I ran a game for my Boy Scout troop. Really? Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So you had like you were growing up. I mean, you're much young- younger than we are, but. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like. Well, you're 27. Is that? Well, yeah, I guess I'm probably a little younger than you. (laughs) He's like, whoa. Oh, we're the same age. (laughs) Are you 27? Yeah, my birthday was earlier this week. When was your birthday? February 4th. I'm February 1st. Hey. Oh, my God. We're only like three days apart. Thank you. That's That's really cute that you weren't like. You're 27. No. She's like, oh, we're peers. And like like a couple decades, but whatever. It's okay. Um, So, yeah, so you, you were growing up. In a time like where people were pretty open to the concept of playing this game. Oh yeah, okay. it was really interesting interacting with my dad, who was growing up when it was not like mm-hmm. that. He he played Empire of the Petal. He's Thorn. our age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like that, he, that's why he fell off because like he played it way back when, but then like didn't really play it in between because it wasn't like the thing to do, and he couldn't find people to play with. Yeah. That's true. That's how, that's how it happens. You're like, I, I, there's always one person in the town, and it was like, uh, uh, I mean, even now, I went through, I'm talking about Dungeons & Dragons. People from, that I grew up in my town in, in Connecticut were like, oh, I didn't know that you were into it. We would have invited you. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, they were playing all around They were around playing, you? yeah. And, now, and I was like, oh, I know. I tried to uh, find people, but it was, like, you, it was you hard do it? to do. You've got to have like, a secret like, pin or something. You've got to have thieves' can't and like, do like <laughs> a... A yeah. signal. There needs to be a si- not not now. You put the mark on the outside of their house. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the mark of the beast. Yeah, six six six. Be like, that's how you know mark. if you want to play. Yeah, burn it into their lawn. <laughs> oh man, I just got invited to a D and D game. <laughs> oh cool, I'm in. 
Meanwhile, my mom would be like, oh, that sounds really great. We're moving. <laughs> yeah, we're moving. Pack your bags. Otherwise, you'll be in hell. Take Brandon's boat shoes and his plaid shirts and leave everything else behind. <laughs> I know. I got to find this Brandon guy. <laughs> Me too. And go back and be like, do you realize he's like, he's probably like, I'm a lawyer. I don't know what you're talking really? about. I, ne- I never had that game. I don't right. know. Right. Yeah. But I don't I do, even remember. I do miss those boat shoes. <laughs> Do you still have those? I'm like, yes, I do. I love, I love the Brandon collection. It sounds legit. It does sound legit, yeah. right? Like it's the Oscar really de la Renta collection. Yeah. But no, it's Brandon. The Brandon collection. Yeah. For preppies. There is, I mean, that's what's so great about, uh, you know, living now is that there is these networks of people and you found them through Twitch, you found them through through social media or things like that where you can, you know, be a part of it. And, you know, that's... Honestly, why we do a lot of what we do here for the podcast and extra extra life and all that is just to to get the word out, and it's so amazing to see the transition from what it was like back then to now. I'm super proud because over the years, like I'm almost always the dungeon master when I'm running these games, just because like I I take the initiative put, to put these together. Oh no, pun um, intended. Yeah, <laughs> and like that's why I ended up with the moniker like Nick the DM because that was like part of my identifying characteristic. It's mm-hmm. like I, I was the guy who puts together the games. And it's really fun now after like doing this for like 15 years that I'm starting to see the people that I played, that they played with me for the first time running their own games to like success. Oh, wow. wow. You've yeah. inspired a whole new generation of yeah, There's actually uh, a podcast that one of my players from college runs called um, Our Power Is Out. It's a D&D live play podcast. Sweet. That, so shout out Cute to name. Chris Nipolito. Yay, Chris Nipolito. <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah, and that is the truth of, of D&D and things like that is that once you get people into this world, it just expands and, and, and more people try to be players for 20 years and now they're going to start being dungeon masters. Some of them. <laughs> what advice would you give uh, for, for uh, young people like your own age on how to start, start making that transition from a player to a dungeon master? I mean, maybe you would say don't because it's fine <laughs> just to be a player, and that's fine well, it too. it is also. Of course it is. If you want to be a dungeon master, the recommendation I would have is just do it. <laughs> worst comes to worst, you, know you suck at it, and you never have to do it again. You know, that's okay, true. Well, you then try you never have too. to do it but, again because I did suck at it. But if you try it once and you enjoy it, then there's a million different ways you can go through it. The other thing that I personally have the advice of is read the Dungeon Master's Guide once, cover to cover, and then close it and never look at it again. <laughs> because there's plenty of really interesting inspiration and useful ideas, and then an entire book of rules that you will maybe need to reference once. And that is a lot of clutter when you start just trying to learn the game. Right. Um, And once you have the game down, you know which of these rules matter for you and your group. If you are in a group that really, really cares about the rules, then that's fine for you, and you can, like, run it that way. But I've found that most of these little niche rulings you can make on the fly and have a satisfactory game without having to worry about, like, specifically how weather works. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm learning, because I've been researching the topic a little, is that if you don't know rules, then totally fine. Make it up, because that's how it is in your world. 
Yeah. Like you could, there's almost always a reason why you can just be like, well, maybe in some places that's how it is, but not here. Yeah. And here's why. Or that's whatever. totally or don't fine. even give the here's why. It's just yeah. this is how it is. The only pitfall you can run into that is if you have a player that knows the rules better than you and cares. Yes. And that's like a, a pretty small niche, all things considered. Yes. And yeah. in which case, um, I got great advice from Wes when he, he was um, part of the How to DM segment, but he said, Use those players to yeah. your advantage. Like get, they're like border collies. Like they want a job to do, then give them a job. Let them be the rules people. Absolutely. Take it, take it off your plate. So okay. Yeah, I've done that before. Being like, hey, what's that grapple rule again? And then they'll just tell it, and they're like, all right, great, we do this, and then make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah, you were kind of like that player uh, when we played together. What? Did you know that you were already halfway there? Because you were, uh, we were bringing in some new uh, new players who had never played before, and I was dungeon mastering, and Shelly was the player who was, oh, we, we, you might want to do this, or you might want to try uh, getting this going for each of the individual players, and I was like, yeah, good, follow was, follow her guidance. I was conscientious about him having a good experience and a good time, and which I felt like he needs to like roll. A die immediately. <laughs> he was fine. Right. He was having. So you channeled fun. your nervousness into yeah. uh, something for good. I did. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. It oh. worked great. Well, maybe. And I, I, I took, something. I took Wes's advice and was being like, I'm just gonna let Jelly go for it. You didn't think it was annoying, like, <laughs> bitch, let me run my game. <laughs> I, more the screaming kids was the annoying part, but <laughs> meaning so, Bart. But I know he just couldn't stop doing that. <laughs> la, 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 la. I was like, what are you doing? And eating cheese balls in your ear really yeah. loudly. <laughs> That was my daughter. That was the best. That was. She's that, like, I want to be a part of the game. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like can you just do that you over know, there? She could be like a, a monster. A, a cruncher. Yeah. The cruncher. The cruncher with yeah. the orange fingers. Yes. Sounds yeah. like something from the Shadowfell. It does, doesn't it? Terrifying. Yeah. You know what? That's kind of an interesting thing if you were a, a mean dungeon master, is taking pet peeves from your players in real life and then like turning them against them in the game. Like if somebody's like, I really can't stand seeing people chew with their mouth open and then you just create these horrible villains that yeah. are like just torturing them. The only problem with that is that there are actual diagnosable, you know, conditions that you don't want to play on that way, well, right? Think so I you don't like, want to be like, oh, you have arachnophobia? Let me throw spiders in oh, yeah, every well. single adventure from well, now on. I think that would make for a great game. Well, it's... <laughs> The, I guess the, you got to find the balance between being uh, uh, <laughs> a whether jerk. it's a diagnosable thing or if it's just like, hey, I just don't like that. I do not like moths at all. Oh. And so if somebody was like, "There's you're like trapped in a room with nothing but moths. And they're fluttering and yes. going all oh. against your skin. Oh. I've right. been having a lot of fun with uh, the Avernus game. Not specifically the module, but just like the idea of running a game in hell. Yes. Yeah. I, th this would fit in there. Yeah, because I've, I've been sort of like tapping into the idea of like these common things that are just deeply unpleasant. Not necessarily like phobias and all that type of thing, but like I had a group of players, like this was just last week, uh, they got pulled aside into Asmodeus's office. <laughs> oh. And so like they were in the waiting room for a while and there was just, it was like the three of them and a corpse. It was just there, and they were like interacting with that. And there was some magazines, and one of them was like, "Oh, they picked up." I was like, oh, that's the one I read last week. <laughs> and the next one's like, "Oh, this is exactly what I wanted to read." Open it. The pages are stuck together with some sort of goo. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> they try to like wipe it off, and it just keeps spreading. They I try to that. presto it clean, and the magazine goes away, leaving just the goo. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I kind of want to see that play out. I'm picturing that 
in my head. Like, I just picture the corpse, like, still mm. waiting. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, uh, Beetlejuice. He's running late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something to that, too, though, about, uh, I forget what movie it was for, but it was, it might have been the first uh, big Star Trek reboot that J.J. Abrams did, uh, but there's some monster or some creature in there that basically looks like a gaping orifice, and I remember reading the behind-the-scenes thing where it was like, yeah, you know, we just wanted to find something that everybody would find gross, would find gross and in some kind of context, and they're like, yeah, you know, poop monster. <laughs> That's pretty gross for every single culture everywhere. Yeah. Even alien cultures are pretty grossed out by, well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe there are. You're making assumptions. You know what my daughter, <laughs> this is the best segue ever. My daughter asked me this morning. What? She's sick, so she's kind of staying home and a little bit delirious. She was like, Daddy, what does poop taste like? <laughs> <laughs> I was like. I, Tastes like poop. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out is what I said. What? <laughs> oh, no, you oh, And then her. you left for work. <laughs> and poor Aaron's going to be calling you right now. <laughs> No. She, yeah, no, I didn't actually I mean, say it's that. A, now I kind of wish I had. It's a curiosity. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a thought most people and kids have. But, uh, what does poop taste like? like? Does it taste like your food? She's, she did say, does it taste like chocolate? I'm like, no, it does oh, not yeah, taste like chocolate. That is very misleading. Yeah. yeah. It's very misleading. Does not taste like Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> cat poop. I feel like there's some way we can use this in a D&D game. <laughs> Where do you find your inspiration from, like... Stories like about six-year-olds asking about poop, about people's fears and phobias. Um, generally, I tend to like just pull from a little bit of everything. Just find as much media as you can mm. of anything. Books, movies, television shows, podcasts. And then just sort of remix them one way or another. Because there are a lot of ideas. You know what? Here's the best advice I can give for like trying to find inspiration. Watch something until you find a, I wish it was like this. Oh, that's good. Whatever it is, there's just something that like, oh, I wish they went into that. Like they just have mentioned something in passing. That's like, oh, that's a cool idea, but they don't really develop it. Then go and develop it. I love that. That's a really, that's really good advice. You've earned I'm... your name, Nick the DM. <laughs> <laughs> what are, like, give us a, an example of like a really cool story that you ran or a good story hook or just like one of your proudest moments as a dungeon master. Sure. Okay, so here's one. Um, this was over the course of, I want to say, a year and a half. Whoa. Um, I introduced a, this was a fourth edition campaign, and one of the items in the Dungeon Master's Guide, or one of the like early supplements, was something called, I want to say, the Helm of Madness. Okay. That was uh, an artifact that was intelligent, and pretty much it used the old artifact mechanic of being able to make you make saves and make checks against you to like, occasionally influence your behavior. And I pretty much tweaked it and made it the bad idea helm. <laughs> that it would pretty much every once in a while, like in order for, to keep it happy and get the other stat buffs it was giving you, it would occasionally just be like, you can dodge that fireball. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? It's the, the yeah. voice on your shoulder. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, I introduced it. They, they named it Bob. And it was just, like, this other character that was just along with them being like, yeah, this is fine. Just you got this. Wreak some havoc. Oh, yeah. And, like, they were going through this as they went. And then tons of time passes. It ranks up with them, gets more powerful, gives them some ability. And the other thing, that ability that they knew it had but I hadn't used until this point was that it pretty much every time it told you to do something and you didn't, 
it banked charges that mm. it could use to like take take you over for a turn. Oh, oh. Um, so not like it wasn't a one to one, but like it, it built up like that. Uh, and so we play this campaign for like a year and a half. They get to a place I called the Tomb of Horrors, but isn't isn't specifically the same one. It was this giant, pretty much like. Yes, similar. I'm wearing, I'm wearing the Tomb of Horrors uh, uh, oh, yeah. shirt from Death Saves right now. I, I, I took the idea of like those like awful rooms with very specific objects that are like neat traps, and then sort of turned it into like a Legends of the Hidden Temple vibe. Okay, that it was like being run by the gods as like this reality show to prove that these people are the heroes to like I'm do their thing. Um, and so they get most of the way through, and then they find a room that's not on their map. And they open it, and there is a headless statue and a couple of, like, demons. Yeah. And uh, Bob, at this point, is like, oh, cool, and snaps his like, just activates all of the bank charges, and they walk up to it, take off the helm, and put it on the statue, which releases the god that had been trapped inside there. Oh, <laughs> oh what? So Calavandra, god of chaos, was now out. Oh, that's super cool. <laughs> and that was who his Bob was? Yep. Did you know that all along? I knew it for a large portion of that time. Like, not the whole time, but like I had decided, I'm like, okay, so this is clearly an evil spirit. Specifically what? Yeah. And I worked into that, and like one of my players had a patron. They were a warlock, and their patron was one of the stars. Um, because back in 4th edition, stars were like a thing. A thing. Yeah. And there were sort of these like, deities of madness not quite deities but like beings of bad (laughs) um and so they had that and then i decided that uh this deity that was inside it was uh pretty much (coughs) the child of the star and uh another deity that i had like seated earlier on Uh, it was pretty much a cthulhu analog nice um and once i made that call I was, like, dropping hints of, like, there was a place where he got taken down in the first place. Mm. Like, there's a place called the Sundered Isle that was just, like, this floating island where the the earth under the sea around it had been destroyed. So the water went down and the island went up. Oh. And that was where he got taken down in the first place. So that was – this campaign didn't end up reaching its conclusion because of the fact, like, college ended. Oh, but, like, man. Why would you have to graduate? Exactly. Seriously. <laughs> Get a master's degree or something. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, a dungeon master's degree. What? Man, I wish that was a thing. No kidding. <laughs> Let's make it a thing. We'll go to the University of D&D. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that was the, the, the long game that we were playing for that type of thing. I love that. That's a, So did, did, did you design the Tomb of Horrors – bit with, like, knowing, like, hey, I hope they get to this room. Absolutely. I I knew, I sort of had been doing it a little different in that I was making it every door they opened, I was rolling a chance that it would just go there instead. Got it. Because it it wasn't on the map because it was extra planar. It was not part of it. Let me ask you something. Yeah. As the dungeon master, why didn't you just make the door be the one you wanted it to be? I could have, but then it would have seemed either, like, at a particular point or, like, I kind of wanted it to flow organically and not show that anything was different. Okay. Oh, I see. So that if you, as the dungeon master, you might unconsciously tip your hand. 
Yeah. Like give a tell that like, oh, I'm excited to get in this room. Yeah. And they're like, no, we don't want to go in there because he's excited that <laughs> right. we're going to go in there. But if it's a chance, yeah. you don't know. And then therefore you're not giving the tell away. It's sort of both. Like I, it's by making it the role and not putting it on the map. I both have the option of if I never roll it, I could put it like the second to last room. But if I don't put it on the map, if I put it on the map, then they could walk past it. Right. So like by having it as this option, like I could have pulled the trigger and forced yes. it at some point, but it sort of f- flowed in the meantime. I see. That's right. You couldn't put it on the map because then they yeah. could make the choice to never go there. Right. I get it. Okay. Mm. I like that. And it's another element of chance, which I'm a big yeah. fan of. Or in the case of like they go left when you think they're going to go right, <laughs> That's what I was you could just too. flip it and be like, yeah. "All right, everything Guess that what? I planned for right is actually left now." <laughs> yes, in theory, you could do that potentially, or you could have a meltdown and leave the room <laughs> <laughs> and never return to I mean, Dungeon Master. That's what the God of Chaos would want. <laughs> I was role playing. You were, and then this has been the long game. And you're going to bring those exact and people back to the just room. Standing there, they're like, "What is to the left?" They've been in an interplanar universe this whole time, for like ready for six years. You to level up as a dungeon master. Yep, I think it can happen. I might, I might go back to that same group. Let's do it. Are they all still working here? Uh, I know, I know. Adam Lee was in this. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'll have to look it up to remember who else. Sweet. All right. Well, we, I want to be filming this when it happens. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure or anything. <laughs> it's just going to be part of a live stream of I, Extra Life. I uh, do not understand. You know channel. what? Maybe we could raise some money for yeah, kids. People have to donate a certain amount to get me to Oh, actually, that's the best idea I've heard yet. Right? Let's do that. That was um, a thing in past years, wasn't it? I do remember what? someone having a, like, they hit certain thresholds and additional people with Dungeon Master. Yeah. But, but now we can like be Chris like Perkins. $400,000 raised and we'll get Shelly to Dungeon Master. I will, for $400,000, I will do it. <laughs> Would you do it for ten? dollars or $10,000? $10,000. Somebody donated $10,000? For yes, you to Dungeon Master? All right. Well, you heard it here first, people. <laughs> We're going to make it be a thing. We'll f- it'll somewhere between those numbers and I, we'll find one. I keep trying to practice on Quinn. Yeah. Maybe like when we're driving home, like, let's play a game. Let's just pretend we're somewhere else. And you're just like walking down the street. What do you see? And he's like, can I have your phone? <laughs> <laughs> what is poop test like? Okay. I want to play Hello Neighbor. Uh, uh, that's a pretty good game, though. All right. Yeah. I'm excited anyway. about everything you're doing. You're inspiring Shelly you really and are. me. Thank you. You're, you have very good, very good advice. Thank you. I yeah. love it. And I love the uh, uh, Twitch at the table. I was going to say Twitch plays D&D, but <laughs> uh, Twitch at the table is, is a much better name. That is. Uh, uh, it's a really cool concept, too. I can't wait to see how it goes. Thank you. Yeah. I hope to see. I hope it goes well. <laughs> but it's it up will. to the Twitch, so yeah. it's not really on yeah. you. <laughs> That's probably another good DM tip. Just... Blame other people. It's not my fault. You're the one who made the bad choice, or the helm did. Oh yeah, helm of madness did it. Uh, so uh, you you mentioned your channel a couple of times, but let's just get it oh, all out there. Where yes. can people find out about everything you're doing on like social media as well as uh, this Twitch? Okay, so uh, my Twitch, which is where I do most of my stuff, is Twitch.tv/slash Nick the DM. Um, if you want to be on my Discord, just type exclamation point Discord into the chat. It'll it should have a bot there that'll give it that. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Twitter, or I guess just at Nick the DM on Twitter. Sweet. Don't you were going to give the URL? Yeah, I was. Twitter.com slash Nick the DM. 
<laughs> Just in case you're www.http. <laughs> How many W's you have are to there? Type that in. Is that a front space or a back space? Colon slash slash. <laughs> Your voice. <laughs> that is a pretty good voice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, traveling all the way to Seattle yes. uh, to be a part of this. We appreciate your donation to Extra Life and all the work you do about getting other people to donate to it. I think that's yeah. a fa- fantastic. Thank you for having me. This you was nice a lot person. of fun. Good. You're the best, Nick. You are. Oh. Around. <laughs> you elevate everyone. Ooh. We lift you up. And you lift us up. We're all being lifted You've up. You've officially been lifted up. You're it's very the space strong. program. <laughs> we will get Anti-gun. to Spelljammer one day, I swear. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, all right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for this interview. Uh, and uh, good luck on your adventures. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> What a fantastic interview. I am so excited that Nick Roth was able to travel to Seattle and visit with us at the Wizards of the Coast office. Shelly and I had a great time talking to him, and I hope you had a fun time listening. Uh, He's done wonderful things for the D&D community on Twitch, and I'm excited to see the debut of Twitch at the Table on twitch.tv slash nickthedm starting on February 23rd with their pilot episode. Very cool. Everyone, uh, I hope you're inspired by uh, what Nick was able to do uh, in raising money for Extra Life uh, this year, and hopefully he inspired you to do some more fun stuff this year in 2020 as we gear up for earning money for the kids. Um, Thanks, everybody. I encourage you all to uh, follow Nick on all of the platforms, including Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Extra Life, and uh, spread the word on how awesome it is uh, in the D&D community. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll be back this week with another Dragon Talk episode on our scheduled time on Thursdays, but wanted to make sure you got this bonus episode in your ears. Hope you enjoyed it. Take it easy. Bye-bye.